Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Straight up with no chaser. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester. All right, let's talk some U.S. Open golf with the host of Tita Green. You can hear him on our Odyssey Sports sister station, WGR in Buffalo. Tita Green inside the free-to-download Odyssey app. Always a pleasure to welcome in the pride of SUNY Brockport, Brian Koziel. Uh Brian, talking to you a lot. A lot of golf here in the last uh, month in Rochester with the PGA Championship. Of course, the merger between PGA Live and and the European Tour, and now another major uh, at L.A. Country Club, U.S. Open uh, underway. How are you, Brian? I'm great. Yeah, we've had a lot of golf news both on and off the course here over the last month and a half. I think when you know we asked about this change about the PGA going to to May, we obviously had some reservations about it locally because of the possible implications of what it would mean for the major possibly being at Oak Hill. Um, but man, it, I mean, just you know, looking beyond that, all it feels like we just keep getting you know, big tournament after big tournament here. It's like you, there's not much time in between to, to kind of catch your breath, which I guess if you're a golf fan, it's, in that sense, it's a positive. Yeah, and I get why golf did it. You want to avoid the NFL. Like, the, the game more shine yeah. to the PGA. And, I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to the day where we get another major at Oak Hill, Brian. And uh, certainly if people had their choice, I would think just because, well, the weather's nicer in June, uh, the U.S. Open would fit nicely at Oak Hill once upon a time it did. But is the USGA going to come back to Oak Hill? And I kind of ask it this way because I, I, I look at some of these other courses, and you know better than I would. <laughs> is is Oak Hill tough enough? Uh, is it up to the USGA standards? Because, honestly, you're not having any, what, 280 par threes here at Oak Hill. That's true. However, I think what we saw was a course at Oak Hill that can be set up, that can be difficult and can be challenging, I mean, ultimately, I think what well, they kept to finish at minus nine, but there weren't a ton of golfers under par throughout the majority of the week. I feel like, um, you know, when we spoke on Thursday in person and then, you know, even into the weekend, there were at times where you, there were single-digit players that ended up under par. Yeah. Uh, I think, obviously, the rain on Saturday may have softened conditions that made that scoring come a little bit easier on Sunday. So, you know, in terms of us thinking about could the U.S. Open come to Oak Hill, I think if that was a trial run, I think it went well. Uh, obviously, the USGA didn't have any hand in the setup there. I mean, there's no reason why Kerry Hagan, the PGA, would be wanting to do something 
that wouldn't be beneficial to their tournament. So um, I think it, the renovation and the difficulty and the challenge, I, I think it was the right mix. And I think if June is the better month for Rochester to ultimately host the U.S. Open, well, then, you know, I think nobody would complain about it. I, ultimately, out what everybody would want in Western New York is that we still have major championship golf on a regular rotation in the area. And whether it's the PGA or the U.S. Open, I don't really necessarily have a preference. I guess if you're solely basing it upon weather, well, then you know, the U.S. Open might fit the bill. Brian, how does L.A. Country Club set up for this weekend? I mean, is it going to be the traditional course that embarrasses golfers at the U.S. Open? I want to say yes and no, just based upon what I've seen so far today. Uh, the fairways are a little bit wider. Uh, however, if you miss it, it is, it is penalizing, which I think ultimately I guess I would say is fair then. Uh, the fairways are wider than the normal U.S. Open setup. So you've got some ability to have guys hit driver. And I think they had to because these holes, some of them are so long that guys are going to be forced to hit driver. And you can't have super tight fairways if you're asking guys on a par four to play a 530-yard par four and not be able to hit drivers. So I think you, you can't have everything. You can't have narrow fairways and ridiculous rough and lightning fast greens like I feel like, you, you, you know, then it turns into major carnage. And then at some point, people are still tuning in to be entertained. And I think people love seeing the pros kind of have trouble at this event once a year. But at the same time, too, you also you, you still want to watch good golf. And I, I think you can take it too far. So I think this will be the, the appropriate mix in the sense that if you have uh, the ball in the fairway, you'll have the opportunity to maybe be rewarded with a good shot. I think what we will see is balls in the fairway maybe more than often but we're going to have the up and down factor and the creativity around the green is what I think is going to be maybe the most interesting storyline this week. Who does the best with that? Because of the wider fairways, I think you're going to see guys having shots into the green, maybe a little bit more often from the fairway, but if they miss the green, then who gets up and down the best from there to kind of save power, keep their round going. And I think this all just lines right up perfectly for Scotty Scheffler. He has been number one off the tee in terms of strokes grain, uh, strokes gained this year, number one uh, from approach shot in. The only category that he's been up and down with, and lately it's been way down, has been putting. So far through his round today, he's been pretty good putting from what the, I've been able to see from him. I think if Scheffler just puts average, if you, whatever the statistics are putting-wise in this tournament, if you stick him in the middle, I'm riding him all the way to the victory. Yeah, Scheffler, uh, two under through 14. I believe it's Homa who has the uh, the course record. Are there any other golfers, Brian, other than Scheffler, that uh, you, you have an eye on that this course actually may favor? I think you got to look at some of these players that are used to playing these California courses that have played well. I'd put Max Homa in that mix. He's having a different, a decent start to this. Uh, Colin Morikawa is a guy that has had a little familiarity with this course, although they did go under a major renovation, so I don't know how much stock you want to put in that. He played in the Walker Cup when it was there. I believe it was 2017. Uh, that was really the only um, you know, event that anybody have, would have played in in a tournament setting. The last time there was a professional tournament at this course was like in the 1940s, so obviously you wouldn't have anybody there. First time it's hosting a major. So I think maybe you put Dustin Johnson in this mix. Guys that are used to playing that Bermuda-style grass that you see in California. Uh, I am definitely not going to sit here and say that I'm a golf expert in terms of how uh, grass behaves differently in California, but I do know that it's a different style. And then 
you know, anybody that's ever played golf in Florida, you know, there's a different style of grass there. It's a little bit more sandy, a little bit more soft. And, you know, sometimes it's tougher to pitch and, and to, to chip around the greens and, you know, the different style out there obviously sets up a little bit different than maybe the courses that you and I are playing here in the Northeast. So I think guys say have sensed this week, I've gotten, you know, from what I've been reading that they are comfortable playing courses like that guys that have been good in that area. This is a, a kind of a home match for Max Homa. He's from the area. So I think for his abilities, you know, if you say who's the next group of guys that could win their first major, I'd put Homa in that list any week, but because he feels so comfortable playing there this week, I think he's got five of his career wins in, in Southern California. That would be a guy I'd put near the top of the list. Ricky Fowler atop the leaderboard right now, Brian. That would be a story. How's Ricky's game been this season? And, and you know, what would he need to do to, you know, stay consistent here through the course of the weekend when his first U.S. Open? What a story that would be, right? I mean, just the, the, one of the most likable players on tour from fans, popularity-wise. It's right near the top. And you want to talk about the scene that we saw last week in Toronto with all the Canadian golfers out there cheering on Nick Taylor. I bet you you're going to see that scene times 10 if Fowler has a chance to win coming up on the 72nd hole on Sunday with other players that he has been close to. Uh, he has been such an avid supporter of all of his players that are kind of in his friendly circle. I bet you you'd see a mob scene out there if he ends up getting a major this weekend. I mean, you, you remember Fowler, you go back to 2014, he set a historical mark. He finished in the top five of all four majors that year. And I mean, he was probably the, the best player that year consistently, but he just didn't close the door on a major. The only two other players to ever do that, to have a season like that, to have top fives in all four majors were Nicholas and Woods. So he's in great company, but he didn't win one of those. And I, you figured after that, you're like, well, it's definitely going to come. I mean, look, he could have won all four that year. And then of course, these last few years, he slid back. He's undergone swing changes, he's undergone coaching changes. Now he's back with Butch Harmon, a guy that we know. His last name, of course, Harmon, is the one that everybody in the golf world knows. And he's kind of getting back to that feel swing once again, a little less mechanical. And he looks just so relaxed. I think his swing looks great. He's got himself back into the top 50, too, which got him in to the U.S. Open in terms of the world rankings. He has tried to qualify these last few years, and that's why he's missed the majors not only beyond playing in the U.S. Open, but in some other majors because he hasn't either been high enough in the world rankings or he hasn't gone through the qualifying. Now he's inside the top 50 in the world. He's back in there. It would be, a, I think, a top two to three story if he ends up winning it come, uh, come Sunday. We're talking to Brian Koziel, your host of Tita Green here in the Sports Bar. Brian, I love how uh, they get all cutesy here uh, with some of the tea times, and uh, nothing's better than uh, coming up at our time, 4.54, Hideki Matsuyama, Roy McIlroy, and Brooks Kapka. My question about Kapka, because I think this time last year, he goes over to live, and people are thinking, well, he's on the downside here. He took the money and ran. What? What like in where you you sit here? How is Kepka able to get his game back? Because I feel like we're not talking about this guy enough. What he did at the Masters, what he did here at Oak Hill, and what he could potentially do here coming up this weekend. I think first of all, he got healthy. That was part of the thing that we kind of heard from him in that documentary. That he said, "Look, I'm not healthy, and now I don't know if I can get my game quite back to be where it's at to beat a guy like Scotty Scheffler." For the first time, he seemed vulnerable. For a guy that 
always is so strong and stern and doesn't look like he, he's unflappable in every scenario. He kind of had some vulnerability there. Uh, and that was a piece he admitted of going over to live, saying, look, I've got an opportunity here to change my life and my family's life for generations to come here. I'm going to take advantage of that. Ultimately, though, Kepka's always had a mentality similar to Tiger that it's majors and nothing else. And he's even kind of scoffed at the question of like, you know, hey, Brooks, look, at you're so good in majors. And at the time when he's playing PGA Tour events, like, hey, you know, how come it doesn't translate into more P- just regular PGA Tour stop victories? And, you know, without insulting the tournament, he's basically said, like, it's not a major. So relax kind of thing, you know. So I, he's kind of taken that mentality. This week, he even said, he goes, my goal is to get to double-digit majors. I mean, that would be incredible to go from five to ten. I mean, even just to go from five to six, he vaults himself up into some pretty elusive company to joining guys like Nicholson and Faldo and Trevino. I mean, if he got to 10, I mean, you know, he's a top five golfer of all time. If that actually happens, I think at some point, just because of the fact he's age 33, he's had injuries. His swing is one that definitely is one that puts a lot of pressure on muscles in your body. Like I just, I don't see him being, as strong at age like 48 to 50, like maybe how Phil Mickelson was able to do that, just the difference of style of swing and the different style of body. But I do think Hepka's going to win more majors. I would, if you said, you know, predict a number, I'd put him at seven or eight by the time he's done. And that impressive performance at Oak Hill, he just seems to thrive on these majors where he has said, look, the rest of the field, he goes, I already know I got half the field beat when I show up because there's pressure this week. And they're just going to all of a sudden be off their game enough that I'm going to be able to handle that. So I like his mentality. You know, I think sometimes he can come off kind of like a jerk in the sense that he just doesn't want to ever look like he's enjoying himself. But I do respect his approach to the fact that he doesn't let things bother his golf game. And that's something that maybe we should all try to emulate at times, that we let everything bother us sometimes (laughs) out on the golf course instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to focus here on playing great golf because he seems to thrive in these pressure spots. Hey, Brian, um, you mentioned Dustin Johnson earlier, and he had some interesting sound uh, earlier this week when, when he was interviewed and asking about the future of Live Golf. And I think we all assume, oh, you know, a merger between Live and the PGA Tour means that Live goes away. And Dustin Johnson is kind of like pumping the brakes on that a little bit there. What did you make of his comments? And, and what do you think? How do, I mean, I know there's a lot of things that need to be unearthed and a lot of plans that need to be shared uh, before we know what golf looks like as far as a league long term. But what, were you, what was your take on what Dustin Johnson had to say? I think it's similar to what we're hearing from Greg Norman. Now, that could be what Greg Norman's telling the players. Greg Norman didn't get a super vote of confidence when there was the merger press conferences from the gentlemen that are kind of going to be heading this up. Uh, but Live could exist in the sense that it could be a tour linked to the PGA, just as they have other tours that are run by the PGA. There's the PGA um, Central American and Southern American tour. I don't know if that's exactly the wording of it. I know there's an Asian PGA tour. Like there's a lot of different branches of the PGA tour. So maybe, you know, live could serve as kind of the global piece of the PGA tour where they could still say, look, we need to reach more beyond just the United States. And this could be a way to do it with different events. Here's the thing though, the lure of watching live for whatever it is uh, for me, if I'm going to watch live, it's not because they're playing in a different country 
And it's not because necessarily that they're playing 54 holes or a shotgun format or wearing shorts. It's going to be because Brooks Tepke is playing or Dustin Johnson is playing, and I want to watch those players. So if those players aren't participating, then I would kind of just view Live as just another minor league branch, like you see with some of these other tours that are just happen to be in conjunction to run by the PGA Tour. So it could exist, but if these top players are going to ultimately come back to whatever they eventually call this new PGA Tour, then I think Live Golf can exist because definitely there's funding for it. But I think it kind of just serves as kind of a minor league branch to the PGA Tour. What, are you not a Four Aces fan? I'm a big Four Aces fan, Brian. Oh, four Aces. I did see you in the media center at Oak Hill. You had your Four Aces hat on. So <laughs> yeah, I was impressed. That's right. yeah, yeah, that's oh, it. the team. That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Brian, <laughs> as far as, far as uh, well, is that the last we see of Jay Monahan? Sorry, I'm, I'm just such a cynic. I'm just wondering, okay, is that a place where you kind of exit stage right here? And what do you make of Congress threatening to get involved here? Sometimes we kind of shoo this off. I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it sounds serious. I mean, does Congress have a lot of things to work on that maybe shouldn't involve sports leagues? Probably. We could probably do a sideshow on that. But it sounds pretty serious in the sense that they're going to look into this. And then I think a huge reason why this merger took place uh, beyond the money is that both the PGA Tour and the investment group from the Saudi-run team said, you know what, the more this goes down this road, not only is it going to cost us tons and tons of money, but there's going to be things that come out that maybe we don't want to come out in terms of how things were run. And I think both sides said, Hey, you know what? This might be better for both of us here that we just move on and end this litigation process. I think that was a a big piece. I think money ultimately still was the top piece of it, but there were definitely things I'm sure on both sides that they didn't want to have come out. And I'm not saying here that Jay Monahan and the PGA tour is a scandalous tour anyway, but it does sound like if you kind of put, kind of you know start adding some of these pieces together that why else would both sides back down if they truly felt like there were issues that they both were wanting to find out publicly so that part of it maybe there could still be concern with it there's some people that say hey this deal is not totally done it may not even happen i i still think ultimately when we see this with mergers with companies with big businesses and you know the monopoly argument it always ends up getting done in the end in some capacity so i I still see it end up getting it done in some way. It just maybe has to, the wording and the revampness in terms of how it actually has run ultimately and maybe how the money flows, that maybe that'll have to be changed. But we still know so little about ultimately, like, what's it going to look like in the end? So I, I guess to ultimately not dodge your question, I think we'll, as we know more of maybe what ultimately all the branches look like when it's laid out, I think maybe we can see then if there is something more to it that Congress is going to find out. Yeah, I, I and again, I kind of wonder, Ari, what was the PGA hiding? Because I agree that the PGA had no other play, right? Uh, you, this is a battle you can't win. You don't have the funding. You're already going into hole uh, upping. So, but but not, it's not to say that Monahan didn't have another card to play here, which was... Why didn't he this time last year or whenever just show up on Capitol Hill and say, everyone, hey, we're going to get bought out here by a foreign entity. There's not anyone in Karen. I don't like there has to be a reason why he didn't sound that alarm. I agree. Monahan, this whole thing is so interesting how he, you know, he obviously talked 
a great game for over a year about why live was such a bad thing. And all the, all the while he's letting his star players who ultimately kept him and his tour alive. And, you know, McElroy, Rom, Justin Thomas, these guys are out there publicly taking a lot of the heat, a lot of the questions and doing more press conferences and more interviews than he was himself. Monaghan was. And then all of a sudden we find out, well, all this has been going on. There's been communication here <laughs> that uh, he's been in the works to try to obviously work with what would be called the enemy. So it's very weird. You know, Monaghan obviously admitted to being hypocritical. There's obviously the, where the money's coming from, the 9-11 coalition. Like, there's so many layers to this. What's Congress going to find out? Even Monaghan this week, I mean, I, of course, would never question anybody's medical mm-hmm. seriousness because of something happening but the timing of it people of course are saying right away of well this is interesting timing the fact that it was an opportunity for him to maybe be on the record about what happened and now he's going to disappear for a while so it, it, it's mis- it's very mysterious and you know how monahan plays into all this ultimately like will he get phased out will he ultimately be just a puppet who knows i mean it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out brian t to green this weekend should be a special one tell us a little bit about it where we can hear it and when sure we're going to be at uh, pendleton green golf club in north tonawanda and we're going to be on for two hours seven to nine a.m and we hope you can be with us you can of course listen on wgr 550 or you can listen on the odyssey app and uh, we'll hope you tune in we have lots of stuff Coming up on the U.S. Open, so we uh, we look forward to hopefully uh, having everybody tune in on Saturday morning. Brian, we did get uh, one person writing in to us. Uh, would Brian, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here if you haven't seen the story. There's a little Sabre news here today. Would Brian have any info on who the Sabres' new ECHL affiliate would be? Uh, the report today from Lance Lysowski that uh, Cincinnati and, and Buffalo are no longer going to be hooked up. So that is a, a little newsworthy here from the Sabres today. I did see that. Um, I don't really have an inside scoop on the city that could replace them. I got to think that they would want to keep it as local as possible. I don't, you know, I think between the relationship between Buffalo and Rochester is so special. And I think when the Sabres lost the Amherst there for a few years, I think it was evident even more so. Um, Not only is it great for the Western York community, marketing wise, PR wise, but um, just the, the physical logistics of the fact of how many injuries do we have in an NHL season or in an AHL season where players can go up and down in an hour car ride. I just think that's something that's, that's so alluring. Now, the AHL schedule isn't maybe as often as the NHL where you could plan a little bit better for that. So is the ECL, ECHL uh, affiliate proximity as important maybe with that relationship with the AHL? I don't know, I guess. I could argue that both ways, but I would hope it's somewhere local where you can get that following where you can get like what we have right now with the Amherst and the Sabres, where you can be fans of both and you can attend both and you can kind of cheer it on as if it's one franchise. All right, so let's get that franchise up and going in Batavia and everything will be all good, right? <laughs> Appreciate the time That's as right. always. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the golf and we'll talk again soon, bud. Sounds great. All it takes is money. Somebody just got to build a rink. That's right. And say, hey. You know, bring the team here. You know, I don't have the money to build a rink, but uh, somebody listening wants to do so. I'm sure. Hey, listen, we just talked about how money talks with yeah. the PGA Tour. You want to build a, a, a Palace ECHL arena and 
bring the team to a, be a part of the Sabres organization, I'm sure it can happen. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, be interesting. Brian, thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. Thanks. Thanks so much. Happy yeah. Father's Day to all the dads out there. Thanks oh, a lot, definitely. Brian. Appreciate yeah. that. Brian Koziel is the host of Tea Degree. Yeah, he says Happy Father's Day. What are we going to do? We're going to be enjoying golf Father's Day. We're going to be just final round in primetime. Yeah, good Father's Day weekend to all. New Jersey is affiliated with Utica and Adirondack. I think, to my knowledge, Adirondack is the only New York State ECHL team. Like, Elmira's long gone here. So, just trying to figure out. Like, and what what would be... I don't think there's... Are there any flights from Rochester to Cincinnati? I don't know. But, like, what would be convenient? Because if the... Just from an Amherst competitive standpoint, uh-oh, we got to get somebody up here tonight. You either want to, you know, within a four-hour drive, let's say, or, or, or a nice direct flight. And hmm. hopefully, uh, you know, that'll fill one of the two here. But, uh, yeah, uh, Lance Isowski reporting that uh, the Sabres in Cincinnati have parted ways. Okay. Uh, I'll drink to that as on the way next. Some takes on tap. So Sean McDermott lied. He did. He did. What does this mean? <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing it up. I have thoughts on it as well. Okay, we have thoughts on that. Both both have thoughts. Yeah. And, you know, it's what's happening today in Buffalo. Can we just have this? I need to put this on the record so that when... Lady Luck comes around and says, Rochester, it's your turn. We actually have this in our community, not something half-baked here. We've got a six-pack of best bets to share today's action in Major League Baseball for you to fade or for you to follow. Because you're in the uh, danger zone! Takes on tap next. I'll drink to that. The sports bar, it's Danger and Bataglia on the fan. Rochester talking about Major League Baseball with the season in full swing. There is no better place. To get in on the MLB action, then FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It's danger for FanDuel Sportsbook. Official partner of 95.7 The Fan. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Mike to join today. And I'll give you my favorite plays here in the danger, jo- danger zone in just a few moments. Don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Mike to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 21 plus and physically present in New York. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. For help with a gambling problem, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 467-369. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.